Well, it's great to see you this morning. Our servers are going to collect the offering real quick, and uh, I uh, I want to show you all this. Maybe some of you have seen these around. I didn't know this one was here. So there's a little bit of a backstory. This says chicken thief on it. Uh, I went to a local restaurant this past week that I go to every once in a while, and I get a salad that comes with chicken on it. And I went and bought it and got back, and it, there was no chicken on it. So I went back to the restaurant and said, hey, y'all forgot to put the chicken on there. And they accused me of stealing the chicken off of the salad <laughs> and then trying to get more. And I said, I came back, and I was a little, you know, salty about that. I said, you know, what happened to the customer is always right, and the staff's response is this. That's, so anyway, yeah, that's the story on the chicken thief. Hey, we're glad you're here today. Welcome to church, and we're talking about weird stuff. Uh, but uh, I want to tell you about one more thing that we're really excited about. You know, I, I don't know how many of you went outside and froze last night and watched the fireworks, but... Uh, you're crazy. I'm I, uh, not about that life anymore. But uh, we're, we're going to have a special day next Sunday as we're kind of looking forward to Derby and all the awesome festivities and all that kind of fun stuff. Next week, you're going to have to have a fun weekend here. Uh, going to be some su- su- surprises for you guys. So just wanted to let you know about that. Kind of come expecting to have a little bit of fun when you come to church next week. If you want to, you know, I know sometimes we look for a reason to sleep in and, oh, maybe we'll just watch it online. If you watch it online, you're going to miss all the fun. So you need to make sure that you're here next Sunday for Derby Day at Fairdale Christian. Now, we're in week two of this series called When God Doesn't Make Sense. And I've titled this message, When God Seems Uncooperative. You ever feel like God just won't work with you? Like maybe you've been praying about something and there's a, there's a certain person in your life or a situation in your life and you say, God, I'm doing all that I can do here and so I need you to do something. I need you to come through for me like this. And it just feels like God's not working with you. Last weekend we talked about when God seems inattentive. Like he's just not paying attention. You know, maybe he's, maybe he's looking at something else. He just doesn't see me or, or hear me. And I hope that you were encouraged by that message and and the truth that we don't have to understand the plan to trust God's purpose. Well, today we're going to kick that can down the road a little bit further. How can we have peace with God when sometimes we feel like he's not working with us? When sometimes he feels like he's not cooperating? Jesus told us to be a people of prayer and that we should come before God with our requests And that God will answer our prayers. The Bible's filled with verses that say that. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 is a great one that says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. How can I do that when I feel like sometimes God doesn't throw me a bone? How do we rationalize that in our minds? Uh, At least when it seems like he doesn't respond the way that I want him or I need him to respond in that moment. It leads to a lot of pain and fear. And seeds of doubt may begin to sprout up in our hearts. Many of us have had to deal with excruciating disappointment, an overwhelming sense of loss, and, and through our prayers and our begging God to intervene, he doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to, to want to cooperate. Well, today we're going to look at a passage in the New Testament. Where we're going to be introduced to two sisters who found themselves disappointed and heartbroken with Jesus. And yet through his mercy, we'll see that what we may see as God being uncooperative in actuality is he's working something much bigger behind the scenes. Before we dig into that, because it's kind of heavy, 
Let me tell you a story I heard about a couple old guys, a couple of 90-year-old men uh, named Mo and Joe, that uh, they'd been lifelong friends, and, and it, it kind of got to a point it was clear that, uh, that Joe is, is not going to be around a whole lot longer. And so uh, he'd, he'd been in the hospital, and Mo was visiting with him every day. And one day, Mo said to Joe, he said, Joe, you know, we both, we both love baseball all of our lives. We played when we were kids. We played all through high school. We played even, you know, intramural stuff, as we, and uh, we were on teams as adults. And, and do me one favor. When you get to heaven, you somehow, you've got to let me know that there's baseball in heaven. Joe looks up from Mo from his deathbed. He says, Mo, you've been my friend for many years. If that's possible, if there's any way that that's possible, I'm going to do that for you. So shortly after that, Joe passed on. And, and a couple of nights later, it was midnight. Mo is uh, he's sleeping, and all of a sudden he's woken up by this bright light. And there's a voice calling out to him. says, Mo, Mo. He looks up, and he sits up, and says, who is it? Who, who's there? Mo, it's me, Joe. He says, no, no way, you're not Joe, because Joe just died. He says, I'm telling you, it's me, it's Joe. And he says, well, where are you? He says, I'm in heaven, and I've got some really good news and a little bad news. And so Mo said, well, tell me the good news first. Well, the good news is there is baseball in heaven, Joe. Uh, and better yet, all of our old buddies that have died, they're all up there. We're, we're playing baseball together, and we're all young again. We're like, we're like peak, you know, we're like mid-twenties, and better still, it's always springtime, there's never any snow or rain, it's just great, we can play baseball all we want, and we never get tired. And most said, well, that's fantastic, that's beyond my wildest dreams. What's the bad news? And Joe said, well, you're pitching Tuesday. <laughs> so let's look at this story together, John 11. Starting in verse 1. It says, a man named Lazarus. Some of you are still getting the joke. It's slow. It's, he died. He's dying. A man named Lazarus was sick. And he lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Verse 3 says, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. So you understand the deal here? Lazarus is on his deathbed. It's not looking good. He's not going to recover. But the one thing that's interesting to notice, they, Mary and Martha send word to Jesus, and they don't even call him by name. They don't say, hey, Lazarus is sick. They just say, your dear friend. That's the intimacy that they had, the closeness. This is more than just, they're, they're not just associates. They don't just kind of know each other. They're friends, close friends. Matter of fact, a lot of theologians believe that Lazarus uh, had some money and, and probably helped to fund Jesus' ministry. He would often stay there when he was coming through town. I mean, they were, you know, you think Mary and Martha, they, they were taking care of, of, of Jesus and the disciples. They'd, you know, eaten the lasagna. She, you know, made the beds for him. I mean, they just, they took care of, of him. And so when they were sending word, hey, we, we need you to help, they were expecting him to come. They were, they were trusting that Jesus is going to come. He's going to show up for us. Because, I mean, they, they weren't just anybody. How could he not show up? They're good people, and, and they, they were faithful. If they were here today, think about Mary and Martha. If they were in this church today, they would be the people that they show up to serve. They, they tithe. They'd be working back in children's ministry with the crazy little crackheads back there. I mean, they'd be, 
They'd be just running around, just helping. They'd listen to Christian music. They'd do all the nice things. They'd be nice people. They just knew that Jesus was going to come through for them. They had faith for that. And they'd seen him do it for other people. I think about that. They had seen Jesus show up for other people. They knew he was going to show up for his dear friend, Lazarus. Except he didn't. The next few verses, verse 4, it says, When Jesus heard about that, he said, Well, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Now, I'm going to preach on a topic next week uh, called When God Seems Late. And I almost used this passage next week. But the thing that changed my mind and why I wanted to go here today is, is I didn't want us to miss this connection. Because I cannot think of a better story for us to identify with than this one. When Mary and Martha are praying, they're sending word to Jesus... Hey, we need you to come. We need a miracle. And Jesus' response is, no, I'm going to stay here a few more days. If there was ever an instance of God not working with you, this has got to be it. If, if there was ever a moment where he seemed uncooperative, this has got to be the passage. One of the most difficult parts of being a Christian one of, the, one of the most difficult parts of us growing and maturing and walking with God is having faith and trusting in God's timing. It's one of the hardest parts. And here's a very, there's a very difficult truth that I want to share with you this morning. It's difficult, but, it, but it's true. Faith reminds us that we're not in control, but it keeps us close to the one who is. I think we get frustrated with the Lord. We get impatient. We get disillusioned. We get disappointed. We forget that even our lives don't belong to us. Your life is not your own. You're a creation of God. He puts you on this earth for a purpose and a plan. And at any moment, he can call you home. That is his prerogative. He is the author and finisher of life. So everything that we struggle through and work through and all, all the things that we get we get really, really wound up about. It's, it's this, we're wrestling with God. It's, it's who's in control here. Who gets, to, who gets to drive? Is it me? It's not us. But our faith reminds us we're not in control, but it keeps us close to who is in control. I think about the difference between Mary and Martha's expectation of what Jesus would do because they just knew he was going to show up versus what his intentions were they couldn't see any other possible scenario this is it you know if, if there's going to be a good ending here the only possible way for there to be a good ending is that jesus shows up and heals him that's what has to happen right in their minds but jesus had another plan he told his disciples verse 11 he says our, our friend lazarus has fallen asleep but now i'm going to go wake him up and the disciples said well lord if he's sleeping he'll soon get better they thought that Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Dead as a doornail. He's, he's croaked. It's over. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. So they, they begin to travel and go to where Jesus lived. Verse 17 says, when Jesus 
arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus was already, had already been in his grave for four days. Now that's important because for their culture, they had a, the Jewish cultural belief, they, they believed that when a person died, that the spirit just kind of hovered around the body for around three days. And so in their belief, uh, it was possible for a person to come back to life, to be resurrected within three days of dying. But after the third day, it was impossible. The spirit was gone and resurrection was impossible. So Jesus, you see what he's doing here. He was sure to wait long enough to make sure that everybody knows it's over. Look at the next couple of verses. Verse 20. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Now let me just pause there for a second. Some of you, maybe you're familiar with these two women, and you, you know other places in the scripture where we hear a little bit of their story. Th these are the same women that one day Jesus was teaching at their house. And so he's there. All of these other people have gathered. A large crowd of people all came together at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house. And as he's teaching, Mary is sitting there at his feet. She's just taking in every word that he says. But Martha, who's kind of a detail-oriented person, she's really focused on making sure that everything is taken care of that needs to be taken care of. I don't know if anybody in here can identify with that, but I'm sure there's one or two or maybe 50 or 60 of you. And maybe you feel that way. She's like, I, I want to make sure everything's in its place and everything's taken care of. And so Martha, being the, the person that the, the wired the way that she was wired, was trying to clean the house and she's preparing the food and she's making sure everything's taken care of because she's got all these guests that are there and at one point she kind of she kind of loses her cool a little bit and she says Jesus here I am running around trying to do all this stuff while my sister just sits in there in the living room tell her to get up and come help me and Jesus kind of corrects her and he says Martha Martha you're, you're worried about a lot of different things right now but Mary has chosen what is better and it's not going to be taken away from her and so we, we get the, the, the image there. These two sisters, they're kind of like, you know, they're ebony and ivory. They're different. They've got, they're, they're wired differently. Martha's a little bit more aggressive. Maybe that's why in verse 21 it says that Martha, she, she went out to meet Jesus. And you know, guys, you, you married guys, you ever have that moment where you, you know, you know what, I, I probably uh, didn't do something I was supposed to do or did the wrong thing. Or, and you just, you can hear your wife's footsteps coming towards you. And you're like, oh, there, there she comes. It's, it's like the rumble. It's, there's a chill in the air. She's coming for me. <laughs> Martha was coming to Jesus, and she said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's just kind of crushed. Mary, Mary's crushed, I imagine. She's, she stays in the house. Maybe she's a little bit of an introvert. I'm not sure, but she, she's so sad. She, she doesn't even want to see Jesus right now. But Martha's more aggressive. She comes out of the house, and I imagine because she's angry. Uh, she is hurt. She's confused. She is grieving. All of this emotional mess is coming out right now. And you notice here, she doesn't ask him a question. She doesn't come out of the house and say, Jesus, why didn't you show up? Or Jesus, what happened? Didn't you get word? We tried to send word to you. Or, or, you know, why, why weren't you here? She doesn't give him a chance to respond. She just makes a statement. If you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. You ever feel like that with God? I know you do. I know I do. 
I have asked, uh, uh, this, this is the one question, there's one question probably that I, I think is asked to me more than any other, but regularly, I, I get this one regularly, someone will say to me, it's usually around the time someone has died, they'll say, I'm really struggling, I'm really struggling, and I feel really angry at God, is that okay? Is it okay for me to feel like I'm just, I'm just furious with the Lord. And this is my response. I think that God is big enough to handle our emotions. I think that it's okay. I think that he can deal with that. I don't think, I don't think God's up in heaven like, oh, you're mad at me? Well, then I'm not going to talk to you. you know, it's, he's not going to give us a silent treatment because we're angry at him. I think that he can handle that. And I think it's okay to be asking questions and maybe even making the statement, God, I asked you to do something and you didn't do what I asked. You know, I don't understand that. But So I think it's okay for us to be angry on one condition with one caveat there is one thing that martha does here that's so easy to miss this next verse that we're getting ready to look at it, it you could just you could just skim right over it and miss it she says those words you weren't here and then verse 22 she says but even now i know that god will give you whatever you ask I just think that's about as honest and as vulnerable as it can get. She's showing that she's frustrated. She's showing I'm angry. I'm disappointed and crushed. You know, I imagine she even had, she, I'm sure she was fighting the thoughts of, after all that we've done for you, like we're, we're, we've helped you kick off your ministry. We've been constant supporters. Lazarus was like your best friend. And you didn't do anything. You, didn't, you knew that this was happening and you didn't show up. And what she says is, I'm really angry. I'm really disappointed that you didn't do what I wanted you to do. But I still trust you. That's what verse 22 is. Even in my anger, even in my frustration and all the questions I have, I still trust you. I don't know why you didn't respond, but I still trust that you're good. That's the difference. There's a kind of faith that reminds us that we're not in control, but it keeps us close to the one who is in control. I, I grieve over the people who face tragedy and face questions because God didn't respond the way that they thought he would, and it just drives them away from him. And then you've got tragedy piled on top of tragedy. But those of us who go through difficulty and yet we're drawn closer to the Lord, we, we've discovered something that some people never, never uh, experience. When God is, you know, closer to us than a brother and that he walks with us through the valley and that there's going to be pain in this life because, because the world is broken, but God is going to help us through those moments. It's really hard to do that when we can't see the bigger plan that he's working out. You think about this for a moment. Think, think about this. Let me, just, let me just challenge you. If God met all of your expectations, everything that you wanted him to do, if God met all of your expectations, he would never have an opportunity to exceed them. You know what I mean? If he always did for you what you wanted, you say, God, do this. It's like a vending machine. God, do this. Okay, I'll do that. God, do this. You know, like a genie. Do this, do this, do this. There would never be an opportunity for him to, to blow you away with his goodness and his wisdom and his plan being worked out in your life that leads to something much greater than you ever thought was possible. If everything just worked out the way that you wanted, 
what a, what a sad existence that would be. Because you see, Mary and Martha, they expected a healing. But Jesus planned for a resurrection. That's a whole lot more impressive. That's a whole lot more of a miracle. What they wanted was good, but what he planned was far better. And some of us, we need to be reminded of that today because we're sitting here thinking, you know, God, this is, God, you don't make sense to me. I don't know why you wouldn't do this. I don't know why you would allow that. I don't know why, we're have to, why we have to walk through this. And you've been so preoccupied about getting something that you want, a relationship. I asked that girl to prom. She said no. Why? That doesn't make sense. We'd be perfect together. You know, or a promotion, you know. Hey, this would, this would help me better take care of my family. This is what I think I really want. But they turned me down. That doesn't make sense. Or I want a, a house. But now it just seems like so out of reach. House pri- prices and interest rates are so high. I, what am I going to do? I'm, am I ever going to be able to do this? Or I want a car. I want some kind of a breakthrough. I want, need something in my life. This is what I want. And God says, I know that you want that. But I have something better. So if you just wait on my timing, if you just trust me and trust my timing, you will see my plan's better than your plan. This is another thing about our faith is that faith is not just asking, but it's trusting. We can ask God, and Jesus says, bring your prayers to the Lord. Make it known what you want. But trust that that God in his wisdom knows what's best. And timing is everything. Martha trusted that Jesus was good even though she was hurt. Yeah, I think Martha gets a bad rap sometimes because she was, you know, Jesus had to correct her. She says, you know, tell my sister to, to help me. And, uh, and, and I know some of us, we feel like that. It's, it's easy to fixate on the good, like Martha. You can fixate on what's good, but you miss out on what's best. I want to kind of redeem Martha a little bit today. She might have had an issue with missing the big picture, but her heart was always in the right place. I think Martha, you ever, <laughs> you ever meet... Uh, I, I've, see, I grew up in church. So I've been around church a long time. Now I work, you know, I've been a pastor for like 20 years. So I've been around a lot of church people. You ever met like an old church lady and they just, there's some that are just wonderful and loving. Like, oh, I just want to snuggle up with you and you smell like cookies. And then there's other church ladies that they have like blue hair and a scowl on their face all the time. And they're ready to put you in line. I've known a few of those church ladies. I think Martha was the first church lady like that. But I'm going to redeem her today. She may have had an issue, but, but her heart was in the right place. Verse 25, Jesus told her, he said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. He's trying to tell her something she doesn't understand right now. He says, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? In verse 27, she says, yes, Lord. No hesitation there. Yes, I have always believed. That you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. So it's okay if you feel angry at God sometimes. It's okay if you're wrestling with that and, and trying to try to navigate through it. Because our understanding is limited. How many times, those of you who are parents, you got you got kids, especially when they're when they're little, have you ever had your kid get angry at you for something because you knew something they didn't know? I cannot tell you how many times this has happened to me. All three of my kids. There are moments when we'd take something away and, and, because I'm going to give them out, something else, and they would, just, they would just cry. I mean, I, I have vivid memories of each one of them holding like a little sippy cup that's empty, and they're just like, 
you know, sucking on it. You can just hear air, you know, because there's nothing in the cup, but they're just sucking on it. And so I have trying to take it. I'm like, give it to dad, give it to dad. And they got like their little ninja grip on it. And I'm like prying their fingers off of the handles. And I give me the sippy cup. And as soon as I get the last little pinky off, I mean, just the boo-boo lip comes out and all of a sudden just big crocodile tears. And I mean, they're just crying and screaming. I'm like, give me five seconds. And I'm like tip, taking the lid off and putting apple juice in and put it back. And it's like tears rolling down their cheek and you stick that thing back in their mouth and their cheeks are still wet. And they're just... <laughs> and they realize, oh, this is good. Like, see, dad's going to take care of you. I got you. You didn't have to worry about this, but they, they don't understand. All they understand is, why would you take this away from me? Why would you do this to me? I was holding on so tight. I wanted this. Martha was angry. She wasn't the only angry person there, though. There was one other person there that was, that was angry. When Jesus saw all of their grief, it says, verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. That he was deeply troubled. Why was he angry? You can't miss the heart of God. You, you cannot miss. When we, when we read how Jesus ministered, you know, when, when I think about when, how Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That I and the Father are one. And we get this, a lot of us are wondering, what, what is God like? What is God like? And it's, it's hard for us to understand. But you look at Jesus and you see this part of God. Why was he angry? I think it's because he cares about the things that we care about. He doesn't want us to hurt. And I, I imagine, I mean, Scripture doesn't say this. This is kind of like Brandon's thoughts, okay? But I believe in this moment, as Jesus was standing there watching all these people crying, so disappointed, so hurt, I bet he remembered the creation. Because Genesis says that Jesus was there at the creation of the world when the, when the foundations were laid and, you know, day one, let, let, let there be light, let there be this, let there be that. And it, when they took dust of the earth and made, breathed life into Adam and took the rib from Adam, made Eve, and it's, everything's perfect, everything's wonderful, and they've got this perfect relationship with one another, and there's no sin, and there's no death, and there's no pain, and there's nothing that's, there's nothing that's tragic about that. And... I think that in this moment, why was he mad? I think he remembered that. And he thought, this is not the way it was supposed to be. This is not what we created. There wasn't supposed to be this. There wasn't supposed to be this grieving. And I think it made him angry. And, and I wonder if Jesus stood at that tomb and, and just remembered that when I made these human beings in my image, in my likeness, they weren't meant to die. And it, now the world is so broken, it made him angry. So what does he do? Verse 43, it says, And Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. I think there's two interesting, this is the way my brain works, two interesting things to notice in that scripture. One, it's been said that Jesus called him by name. You know, why didn't he stand there at the tomb and just say, come out? It's been said because had he not said his name, every tomb around the world would have opened up and every dead person would have come out. He had to specify, Lazarus, you come out. 
But I think the other thing that's interesting to notice is he comes out of the grave. Can we put that verse back up for just one second? He told them, uh, he comes out and wrapped up in these grave clothes, right? It kind of looks like a mummy walking out. And uh, he kind of shuffles out of the tomb. And then Jesus has to tell them, hey, guys, unwrap him. Let him go. I think it's because everybody stood there, jaws dropped, like, what? what? <laughs> he said, hey, guys, you want to help him out? Let's, let's unwrap him here and let him go. They didn't know what to do. This is such a, such a crazy thing that happened. What do we do in our lives when God doesn't make sense? What do we do? I'm going to tell you uh, real quick about a time, and I kinda, I've shared a little bit of this with you guys, but uh, maybe not the whole, the whole thing. Uh, about seven years ago, I was very frustrated with the Lord, um, or maybe seven, seven to eight years ago. I had started praying. We, we kind of had been made aware that there's a large community around us of deaf people. And so I thought, okay, I had come from a church where before I was here, we had deaf, a deaf interpreter there every Sunday morning that interpreted sermons and kind of helped, and, and that was nice and good. But uh, And I thought, well, that's what we need to do here. We need to f- figure that out. And I quickly found out to try to find a person to be able to do that is nearly impossible. And I was really upset because I'm like, okay, God, I know that there's a significant number of people here. And, and I learned these stats just this week that in Jefferson County alone, the number is astronomical. I, I heard the number. I, I couldn't even hardly believe this. But I heard there's like 100,000 deaf and hearing impaired in Jefferson County. Just unbelievable large concentration in the Fairdale area, but of those people that are deaf, uh, only 1.2% of them know Jesus. You know, we talk about barriers, you know, cultural barriers, language barriers. You want to talk about a difficult barrier to overcome. 98.8% of people who are deaf don't know who Jesus is. How do we as a church help them know who Jesus is? Very, very difficult. And so I was frustrated because it, I felt like God wouldn't work with me. And I'm thinking, I've, I'm doing everything I can here. Lord, I'm reaching out to this people and these people and, and this church. And, that, and I'm trying to find, how, what do we do? And it's just a closed door after closed door after closed door. I'm thinking, Lord, why won't you work with me? It was eight years ago. Well, a lot of you know this. Several months ago, we, uh, I got a call out of the blue from the executive pastor at Northeast Christian Church. And he says, hey, uh, just want to let you know something that we're working on. We've hired a guy full-time to uh, be a deaf pastor. He's deaf, and he's reaching out to deaf ministry. And his vision is to, uh, to reach people in the community and to plant micro-churches all around the city. And we've noticed that Fairdale, there's a large population there. We want to do the first one at your church. And, I, I mean, it's like I, the hair on the back of my neck was standing up because I thought, this is, this is what I've been praying for. And I've been waiting for years for this. And this is something else I learned this, this week that, that uh, the, the deaf minister, his name is Todd Stinson. He's the only full-time deaf pastor in the state of Kentucky. And as far as they can tell, he's one of two in the, in the United States. There's one in Dallas, Texas. And then here. So I just don't want you to miss this. We're not just talking about somebody to interpret. We're talking about someone who is ministering to those who are deaf in the community. This is such a cutting-edge type of thing, such a brand-new type of ministry. We're only the second church to be a part of that in the United States, start, starting here at Fairdale Christian Church. And so I look back, yeah, I, I think it's pretty exciting. 
And so I look back at my frustration. And I, I remember back several years ago how angry I was and how disappointed I was that God did not answer my prayer and only to realize now he is allowing us to be a part of something that's so amazing and so new. I never would have imagined that. And as we're trusting in the Lord in faith, we're reminded that we're not in control, but we're staying close to the one who is in control. So I don't know how that translates to your life exactly with what you're walking through today, but I know that each one of us have something. There's something in our life that we're, we're battling, and I'm not sure what to do with this. My, my encouragement to you is don't let that drive you away from the Lord. Even though you're angry, allow yourself to be drawn close to Him. And with the little bit of time I have left, I just wanted you to kind of check out what God has been doing in this work uh, since I started praying for that ministry seven or eight years ago.
So I'm thankful that God answers our prayers in his time and in his way. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for just an opportunity to, to be on your mission with you. And I pray that you would encourage each of us in our lives as we, as we face uh, big questions that don't have easy answers. That you remind us that, that you have us in the palm of your hand. That we don't have to fear or worry about what tomorrow brings because you're already there. So keep us close. May you strengthen our faith so that we're reminded that we're not in control, but that we will stay close to you because we know that you are. Lord, we're thankful that you're a good God, that you see us and love us, and even when we go through pain, that you have a plan that's greater, that's bigger. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that we, we pray and we ask that you would lead us where our trust is without borders. Help us to trust you no matter what. We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.